In just one generation, the internet connected people across the globe. And now, slow news days are a thing of the past. It's a lot to keep track of, but WHIP has you covered with local, national, and international stories. Join us for a rational look at a complex world. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. That is right. You are listening to Rational Radio, the uh, best show on WHIP Radio, Philly's number one college radio, just saying. Um, I'm Iris, your host. Next to me is Dan. Next to him is Maya. How are you guys doing this lovely Friday before break? I'm doing pretty great. Um, I was just I was telling you before we started, but um, I submitted like my last essay before Thanksgiving break, and I've just been like chilling in sweats all day. So it's been, it's been a nice chill Friday, and I'm excited. You headed home? Yes. Tomorrow I'm headed back to New York, and then on Tuesday I'm going to Florida because my dad lives in Florida. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hit the beaches or? Um, Probably not. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge beach person, but I'm going to see, like, my the family that I nor- normally don't get to see. So my dad, my sister, and all that. So I'm looking forward to that. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I'm doing all right. Temple hockey game tonight. Um, So we'll head there and... And a little while after this show, I'll I have the call of that game. You can, you can find that on YouTube if you if you so desire. I'm full of the the plugs here on Rational Radio. As you should uh, be. There is a basketball game tonight, but I will not be on that call. But you can find the basketball game here on WHIP Radio, seven o'clock tip off, six thirty pregame show. There's your sports update for for Rational Radio today. Otherwise, um, not too much. I mean, I'll probably head home for a couple of days. Uh, come back Thanksgiving. At Irish's house, uh, heading up to Connecticut uh, for the UConn game next Saturday. Um, so no, not not too bad. Excited to, to sleep in a little bit, hopefully throughout mm. the week, Same. and not have to go to class. So when we come back, what it's like two weeks, three weeks left of classes. Yeah. Maybe I think it's only two. Um, so then it'll be the the last of the grind for for this semester, and then only one more because graduations. Around the corner. Oh, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> so not a football game tomorrow? Well, there, there's a football game tomorrow. I just I feel like I've mentioned that before, so I just didn't mention <laughs> that one. But no, there is also a football game tomorrow. Might as well take advantage of all the plugs. Yeah, it's... <laughs> just do them all. That's what I got. Irish, take uh, it away. I was actually like in a slump in the beginning of this week, as I always am on Monday and Tuesday. But Wednesday, I just woke up in a really good mood, which is, like, the best because it doesn't happen often. Uh, went to some meetings during the day, had our country. As my sister randomly texted me, it was like, hey, let's get spontaneous tattoos. Oh. I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't have the money for that. So, <laughs> and she went, don't worry, I got you. I was like, oh, all right, I'll be there. Like, tattoos aren't cheap. So, <laughs> and ever since then, it's been a relatively good time. So, uh I can share with everybody in the studio. It's like a space star thing above the crease I love of that. my elbow. So that's if cool. you want to see that, follow me on Instagram. Hey, it's Iris, two wise. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll get into the news. Uh, we have some spicy stories for you all today. You know, my rundown wants to pop up. <laughs> so first, we're going to talk about everything that's going on with CNN, Jim McCosta, and the White House, basically. So, if you don't know, last Wednesday, Jim Acosta, CNN's chief White House correspondent, was at a briefing when he got in a quote-unquote heating exchange with President Trump. 
after Trump dismissed him over a question about Trump calling the Central American caravan an invasion. Acosta continued to move the comic, sorry, to move the topic to the Russia investigation when Trump essentially started yelling at him, you know, you're rude, you're a terrible person. Uh, CNN, it should be really like ashamed of having you. And just kind of all of these verbal insults. Um, a particular issue the White House and others accused Acosta of was physically like hitting the apparent, uh, an apparent intern who tried to take the mic uh, from him. And hours after that, the White House pulled Acosta's press credentials, quote unquote, until further notice. And this is the first case of a president revoking a uh, reporter's White House credentials. So after that, CNN filed a lawsuit essentially saying that this violated the first and fifth amendment. Um, what we're talking about here is since then, as of today, uh, Judge Timothy Kellen, a Trump appointee, has actually decided in favor of CNN, saying that the White House needs to put out very specific rules in order to take someone's credentials away. But they he essentially claimed it on the Fifth Amendment, not the First Amendment. So the Fifth Amendment says you have the legal right to due process and appeal something. Uh, Acosta did not have that chance. So these credentials all given to him on a limited basis until Tuesday when that same judge will hear arguments from both sides. So essentially, I think there's a lot of conversations around that. I think my first one is just, is this a case of violating the First Amendment? Is his credentials being pulled a situation that should that violated that amendment? Um, I wasn't able to see the clip. Like, it came up in my feed, but I never clicked it. I should have prior to this. <laughs> um, but for me, I think the job of, like, a correspondent is to ask questions and to... I don't know if you've ever seen like a, like a press room or a press briefing. It is like they're like attacking you in a way of just like what's this, what's this da, 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 and it's kind of like a lot. Um, again, I don't. I wish I would. I wish I was able to see it to get a better understanding of what what the exact context was, what the tone was between the between Acosta and Trump. However, I believe being that his job is to ask questions and to get answers. I do believe in in some respect it is like his amendments are being violated because that, that's what he's supposed to do. It's not like he's supposed to stay quiet. But again, I don't know the the details. I mean, this isn't the first time that Acosta and Trump have had tension okay. in between them. Um, Trump has kind of, for lack of better words, attacked Acosta saying like he is like not the best reporter. And just they've been in verbal agreements before. This isn't the first time uh, Acosta tried to stay in his ground essentially and Trump was Trump in it. Um, the clip that was going around was so, some people claim it's doctored. When the intern went to steal the mic, uh, Acosta kind of like karate chopped whole kind of, I guess. <laughs> That's what they're saying anyway. Although, like, when you put it in slow motion, people have questions. Uh, I think it also could have been just a, a flinch, essentially, when someone's trying to grab something out of my hand. I might be like, like wait. Mm-hmm. But that's the clip, and that's kind of the relationship between them. I know, Danny, you were about to show your opinion. Yeah, I mean, my my thoughts on this are I'm not surprised at, at the outcome. I mean, like, like you said, the Fifth Amendment only really refers to was, was due process followed, and, and I think most people would agree it really wasn't. And then you have the you have the debate like, oh, like, is it okay for them to take Jim Acosta's credentials? 
did it violate the First Amendment? That's what they're going to decide Tuesday. I, I don't think it did. I mean, do I, do I think what they did was right? Not necessarily. Do I think they handled it the right way? No. Um, do I think he's going to end up with his credential reinstated? Yes. But I don't – it's it's this big – it's not a non-story because obviously it's important. But it's it's almost a nothing burger. It's like, like nothing's going to come of it. Like he's going to get his credential back and, and then CNN's going to be like, screw you, President Trump, essentially. And then the other side's going to be like, oh, well, we have the right to do this. Maybe we just didn't do it the right way this time. But if you break our rules again, we're going to do the same thing. And then the same thing's going to happen in three weeks. There's going to be another – Another situation where something similar happens, and then we're going to have this whole debate again. Yeah. Is is kind of the way I look at it. And that, that's fine. I mean, there, there's a reason this debate is happening. But the reason I don't think it's – it's not a First Amendment issue because the White House is not removing CNN from these – um, press conferences like Jim Acosta on his own does not have the right to to report the news however he sees like he has the right to report it however he sees fit when he does his reports but he doesn't have the right to do it from wherever he sees fit so as long as the White House isn't saying well you are being banned because you're covering us negatively or we are going to ban all of CNN because you cover us negatively it's not really a First Amendment issue because CNN could just send somebody that isn't Jim Acosta if they're going to claim – if the White House is going to claim that um, he's violating rules personally, um, which is where that line goes. And do, are they going to send someone else? No. Jim Acosta is going to get his press credential back. He's going to continue going to the briefings, and we're just going to continue having this conversation. But – Do you think this sets, like, a precedent, though, that, like, if somebody asks a certain question to him, he's not, he's going to – React in this way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, do I think he's going to remove somebody's hard pass every time? No. But do I think Trump's going to stop telling people they're asking stupid questions or or accusing them of being inflammatory or racist or an idiot? No, he's not going to stop. I mean, it's what he does and whatever that's his um, motivation, whatever his motivations are, are, are up to him with that. Is, is he is he break? Is he being? Rude is the way of the world <laughs> by by doing what he's doing. Sure, is he being unpresidential? Absolutely. Is he doing anything illegal? Not, not solely based on the way he acts. I um, think I feel like that's the the debate around this though, and that's the conversation. Is that um, in this case, if his credentials are taken away, like Irish just asked, is that going to? create a, pres- a precedence where you cannot ask certain questions or oh, there will be a consequences. No, I, I don't think there will, strictly because all this is going to say, in my opinion, is that you can't just remove someone's hard pass without due process. So now Sarah Sa- Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the White House are going to come out and say, well, now we have these very specific rules for what you can and you can't do. It's not that you can't ask certain questions. They're going to say, oh, well, you can't interrupt people or, oh, you can't. Um, continue to ask questions after we've moved to someone else, like mm-hmm. like that. And is it one in the same? We'll, we'll talk about or we'll see in the future how those lines get blurred. Because then, if they were to try to remove someone's hard pass again, 
based on the these rules that I'm sure they will put in place. We'll have that discussion on, oh, are you doing this because they violated this rule? Or are you doing this because of the question they asked? And then we'll see these court cases again. <laughs> yeah. So and it's it's going to be drug out. And that that's fine. So on one side of the aisle, you have. Uh, people on the side of CNN who say, you know what, we're, we're standing up for democracy. We have the right to do this. Um, so we're going to challenge you if you try to punish us for it. And then you have the other side who's going to say, oh, well, you're not acting in good faith. You're being rude and argumentative. And this is what you get. Mm-hmm. And the courts will decide. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with your original point that um, I don't think debates like this or conversations like this are going to go away yeah as long as trump is still the president um i feel like there's still going to be conflicts that arise and this isn't solely a trump thing yeah no i agree there there have been instances pointed out over the week where where president obama feuded with fox news reporters in the past there there's been instances where i irish and i have, have are in a class to talk about this where richard nixon didn't really get along with the press every president has their their enemies in the press, has the people who, who tend to cover them in a negative light, whether that's fair or unfair. And and you're going to see these interactions no matter what, where the the president or the press secretary or someone else feels that reporters are asking unfair questions or are spinning them in a certain way. And that's not going to change. The question with this specific incident is more like how far do you let that go or how far of an extreme are we on right now, whether whether questions are being asked unfairly or if our administration just doesn't want to answer a set tough questions. Mm-hmm. Well, I think with the, with um, Trump, it's there's there, I feel like it's easy to um, talk negatively about him within the press. I feel like that's a very easy um, conversation to take it to. Um, so I think that again, I, I think that's what kind of adds to this debate because it's like. It, it comes back to that question of is he just trying to not answer the question because it is although I, I although I agree that different presidents have had their issues with um, press I think in my opinion this is a little bit more to the forefront because Trump has a record of just kind of not handling things has out how past presidents have you know we are not in your typical administration this is very <laughs> true <laughs> and with that we do have to jump into a false break. Stay tuned. We have more news for you right after. So, yeah. From WHIP News, I'm Amelia Winger. Today is Friday, November 16th, and this is your WHIP News Update. Police officers and volunteers officially cleared one of the last remaining Kensington heroin encampments on Thursday morning just before the onset of the first major snowstorm, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Located under the Frankfurt Avenue train bridge, this is the third major encampment that officials have cleared as part of the initiatives outlined in the Philadelphia Resilience Project to reverse the disastrous impacts of the opioid crisis. Police had given camp residents a 30-day deadline to move out of the camp and force the straggler to leave on Thursday morning by sending their belongings to a shelter on Kensington Avenue. In doing this, police followed the pattern they established in the first two encampment clearings, making the process run smoothly despite some community members feeling that they were acting too aggressively. Representative Nancy Pelosi boldly stated on Thursday night that she has the 218 votes necessary to become Speaker of the House despite rising tensions with her colleagues, according to the New York Times. Pelosi was the first woman in history to hold the position and is regarded as the most effective speaker in modern times. However, 17 Democrats have signed a letter opposing her holding the position again and at least three have stated that they won't vote for her. Although she is still the favorite candidate for the position, many candidates are beginning to step forward to challenge her, such as Representative Marcia Fudge of Ohio. From WHIP News, I'm Amelia Winger, and this has been your WHIP News Update. 
and welcome back to Rasno Radio on WTIP Video, Philly's number one college radio station. You want to join any of these conversations we have on the show, remember you can always call in at 215-204-WTIP, 215-204-9447. So when we last left you, we were essentially talking about Jim Acoston, how his credentials were pulled, and then how they've been reinstated, and now, like, there's this whole conversation, so that's what we were talking about, but we're actually going to jump into a different story. If Maya, you want to take it away. Yes. Um, so this, um, just as kind of a, a disclaimer, this is, in re- we're talking about um, sexual assault and um, specifically how Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, she has announced these kind of, these rules on how colleges handle cases of sexual assault and harassment, but specifically in regards to those that are accused um, of sexual assault, claiming that the current system is shameful and unfair to those that are accused. Um, She's basically made very similar statements to the statements that Trump made during the Kavanaugh hearing, which is basically that men are automatically presumed to be guilty when accused of sexual assault. And um, these rules will, it's, it's basically doing the complete opposite of what Obama's Title IX did, and they will require more proof when someone makes an allegation, so more clear and hard evidence. Um, They will not fully go into effect until they go through a public comment period, which could be a a fairly long process. And um, the rules will also allow for cross-examination. So whereas the Title IX, um, those that were accused and those that were accusing um there was never much interaction but with these rules there would that would allow um obviously as one can um expect there has been great backlash but also a lot of support as well it's been very divided um jess david davidson of the group and rape on campus she made a statement where she said it demonstrates betsy devos and the trump administration share the same attitude about assault that we saw from senate republicans during the kavanaugh hearing disparage and diminish survive diminish survivors and discourage them from reporting and um, her and her organization are currently organizing protests against this ruling um, on the other hand, some colleges have expressed some relief because this will limit the um, limit, limit government investigation when um, accusations come about. And again, unlike rules under the Obama era, DeVos's new rules will have the force of law without approval from Congress. So um, I think with something like this, it is very divided. It's kind of like you're either for or against it. And um, I don't know. I, I think that's um, it's a very scary thing in a way. Any thoughts? See, I I just have so many issues. I don't think it's less than 3% where people, uh, like the accused are being fakely accused. Mm-hmm. That's the numbers support it. Um, well, there's more people who accuse someone, and not only is their name dr- uh, drug and adult, but nothing comes of it. We have the case of Brock Turner, who was seen. Uh, assaulting someone by two guys he literally had to be physically stopped from it and he got three months in prison and then 90 days uh, I I believe it was 90 days don't quote me on that well he got off scot-free and I know my I was talking to someone about it this earlier and they essentially said that when they accused someone um, that someone who did something they went they had text messages that this person was like yeah like I did this um, they were unconscious whenever this event happened. And the 
SVU agent essentially was like, oh, well, why didn't you come about this sooner? It had only been a few months, and obviously mentally you need to be able to get comfortable with sharing that. So there's been times where there were concrete evidence and things still didn't happen. Uh, not to mention, I really disagree with this cross-examine thing. I feel like that really puts the victim in a spot where they're almost able to, like, they're already being almost attacked at all angles, that I just feel this puts the victim in a spot where they can now be attacked by who they're accusing as well. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I definitely agree. I think that um, if, I guess my, my my confusion is why is this even being implemented? It seems as if there was, there's so many allegations that were so false. Like as if, if the statistics showed that allegations, there was a larger amount of allegations that were false, then I would be like, okay, fine. But the reality is, like you said, Irish, like there's, when we look at the false accusations, that's a very low number. And I think, and as Jess said from, and rape on campus, um, it, there already is such a a resistance, a has a there's a hesit people are hesitant to come forward about their stories when they are survivors of stuff like this. And this can only that only furthers it. It there's there's no support for those that are, you know, victims of such crimes. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. And just continue to actually uh read this article. I've read it all, let me just point out. I didn't realize uh, this paragraph. That essentially says, for some colleges, the new rules are bringing at least some sense of relief. I'm sorry, I read the wrong paragraph. (laughs) That colleges would only have to investigate accusations that are reported directly to designated administrators. Meaning that student uh, schools have no obligation to investigate if a student tells like a coach or a resident advisor or a professor or anybody like that, for example. And even if directly reported, the schools would not have to investigate every complaint. The regulations essentially say a school would only have to investigate if the alleged victim wants it to. And oh, oh, that's just so problematic, <laughs> I guess. I could I could say for lack of better terms, I guess. Because it's a situation where if if something like this, God forbid, it happens to me. One in five this happens to one in five people, mind you. That if something were to happen, I don't know if I'd be comfortable just kind of taking this straight to authorities. And it's one of those situations where it's like, see something, say something. And if I am able to, like, if I'm friendly with my resident advisor, my OA, and I feel comfortable telling them this happens, and I'm like, yeah, like, I'd be comfortable if you took you took this to higher demands, that that shouldn't be a problem. That shouldn't automatically be it. reporters. But under this... Uh, regulation it would say they're not that they do are, are not you have sure to. specifically ras yes it says okay. resident advisor which is an ra it's interesting <laughs> I, I i mean it's hey it's one of those things like it corrects me there in the past i know ras have been mandatory reporters and i think there's a line there because some people it, it goes to the the idea that some people want these things reported and some people are looking for someone to talk to and there's a line where, at least in, in the past, I would say when, when people typically confide things with their RA, there's not as much of an expectation that that's not going to be mentioned to anyone. Like if you confide something to your RA, everyone in the past has known like they have certain things that they have to tell other people. On the other hand, when you have instances like, I don't know, like maybe coaches or just other other scenarios, whether it's a professor or or something else – 
the, the line is blurred a little bit where, yeah, somebody may have the confidence to, to go and tell that person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they they want uh, a full investigation. Um, I, I don't I don't know. Well, I think I think from from my understanding of the article, it, it's that even if the RA is is mandated man, mandated to um, to report these instances, that it won't um, have much merit and, unless it's an actual higher up. From my understanding of it, or from what Iris just said, so I think even if they if they had to report it, it, it doesn't seem like it'll hold much value unless it's someone of a of a higher position that's reporting it. Is that would you say that's correct? Yeah, I mean. I'm just, I'm so, I'm not even torn. I just, I'm so confused why this is an issue. It's, I, I believe you were essentially saying that, like, if somebody is so high up that, like, a professor or a coach, like, they should almost have a higher obligation to report it than an RA. Like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and always is another student. Like, I do believe they should still have the obligation. But if anything, if I tell a professor, I feel like I'm already telling a higher authority why why would i have to like why would not it not be a mandatory report situation and just to kind of continue reading certain things off this article it also says the obama era definition of quote unquote unwelcome conduct conduct of sexual nature would be significantly narrowed to include only sexual misconduct that is quote unquote so severe, pervasive, and objectively offensive that it denies a person access to a school's education program or activity. And I just, it doesn't have to be so severe and persuasive. Yeah. Like, I, I think the, what, what the attempt here is to kind of separate the university from, the, from law enforcement. Which is is where the the debate comes in, because from what I what I understand of the article, is that essentially what what Davos and and the administration is is trying to implement here, is saying oh well the the university should not get involved unless said actions are having a large impact on on things the university are in control of, and and you can debate whether that's that's right or wrong. I would I would say that's wrong. But that, that's the attempt. What they're trying to say is, oh, if you have a, a complaint about this, you should ideally be going to to the police and not to your university. And and I, I think most people would, would disagree with that. People tend to go to different people who, who they're comfortable with. But that's that's kind of where I I see the the intention. Mm-hmm. I think of at least that portion of it. Yeah. I guess my confusion is just th- there's a lot of protection of the of the accused and then not like the accuser. Yes. Or yes. Yeah, and um and even within the Kavanaugh case, I feel like we saw with um like with Trump's statements is that there was a lot of protection around Kavanaugh versus um Blasey Ford and I was there was a, I was confused about that. Obviously, I'm not going to bring up a case that happened a while ago, but I think it's the same idea that's happening kind of with these rules, I would say. Yeah, I I would I would agree with that to accept, which is where the line. I mean, there's there's a debate there. It goes toward who who deserves the protection in these in these instances, and, yeah. And how do you how do you try to enforce a a fair not playing ground, isn't right? But but a fair situation. So a question that did just come up is essentially what what would happen to the accuser in either situation, in either well. 
the victim cannot exactly prove prove that they did if they don't they do not have that concrete evidence or otherwise because we are seeing situations where things are still not happening to people that are being accused even if it comes out that they did it well there there's also uh, a line in colleges where colleges aren't held to the same standards that that court of laws are so like if you were to take an accusation if one was to take an accusation to to the disciplinary board at their university i i feel like it's much more of a do you think um this person did what they're being accused of which is entirely different from from obviously a court of law where they're deciding beyond a reasonable doubt kind of thing which which again can be debated whether that's right or whether that's wrong but universities tend to decide more do we think you did this if we do we we may exp- will expel you or or face other consequences um more than it's it's proof which is kind of a, a different discussion mm-hmm. and with that we do have to jump to our second break stay tuned we have some more news to discuss We'll be right back. Welcome back to WHIP Radio, Philly's number one college radio station. If you missed the beginning of our show, I'm Ivis. Next to me is Dan. The other side's Maya. And this is Rational Radio. We talk all things news and politics. So the story we're going to go into is the GoFundMe story that's going around. And if you don't know, um, a few months, a few weeks ago, I remember. Okay, I don't have the timeline for it. But... There was a Facebook post going around that essentially said that uh, while this girl, Caitlin McClure, McClure, uh, ran out of gas on I-95, and a homeless man by the name of Johnny Bobbitt Jr. uh, gave her her the last $20, his last $20 to fill her gas tank. So they took a picture, they put it up on Facebook, she explained this story, and within days they had raised ten thousand uh they had raised nearly four hundred and three thousand dollars when they were only asking for ten thousand from fourteen hundred people. So a few weeks ago, uh the couple, Caitlin McClure and Mark Diamanco, were starting to be investigated for stealing the money. And essentially what we saw was Bobbitt was suing them for stealing the money, saying that they were using it to buy expensive cars to uh, go on vacation to pay back debt, which is essentially why they uh, started doing this in the first place. And what I mean by that is the actual story behind it has come out that it was all a lie. Burlington County Prosecutor Scott Kafana essentially said that she did not run out of gas on I-95 Allstream and he did not spend his last $20 on her. Rather, the American McClure and Bobbitt conspired to pass off a fake feel-good story that would compel donors to contribute to their cause. And it walked in a very good way. But it was facetious and illegal and there were consequences. He also said that the story was essentially too good to be true. And that's kind of what started the investigation as well. Uh, behind this, we have that Bobbitt actually sued the couple for not giving him the money and was withholding funds. Uh, they essentially said that, no, we were withholding funds because when we did give him the money, he bought like, all these drugs and he would not get the rest of the money until he kicked his drug habit. What we found is Bobbitt was only given 70000 of what was uh, donated to him. Um, we found that they had actually met about a month before in a casino. And we found out that the female involved 
actually texted her friend an hour after essentially went viral that like yeah it's all fake so i think what we're essentially going to get into is how this story really affects gofundme gofundme uh, of which has pledged to give everybody their money back they're working with everybody in this situation but like this to me takes hope out of donating to people like i i see that people now people are going to be less enhanced to donate because this story wound up being all fake i wonder if um gofundme will get some money from them or you know keep be able to keep something because it does I feel like it will negatively impact them and their kind of um, their, their like you said their their platform, which is to donate to causes and stuff like that. So I think it could potentially hurt them and cause them damages. So I wonder if they'll be compensated somehow. I I don't think so. I, I mean, in the end, it doesn't really hurt them. I wouldn't think that much. I mean, GoFundMe is going to return the money, but they're they they make money on every donation. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing GoFundMe does, so I, I don't think this is really gonna hurt them much. I mean, like like you said, it might it might hurt from a standpoint of less people might donate. I look at it as a play stupid games, win stupid prizes, kind of thing. Like obviously these people, I mean they probably should have gotten away with it. They they tried the, this big hoax, it didn't work. People are gonna get their money back. They're gonna go to jail. It's <laughs> Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I I mean, does it does it change my opinion on do, donating on GoFundMe's? No. Will it change some opinions? Probably. But I'm I don't know. I guess I'm just glad they got caught. I didn't see it coming. It, it was pretty well done, with the exception of texting <laughs> your friend, "Hey, I'm running this elaborate scam." Um. Yeah, Not giving him his fail show. Yeah, and and that's that's the even funnier part is they they ratted themselves out <laughs> in this thing. Like, if you're running a hoax, don't sue the person you're running your hoax with. <laughs> that's why I was confused. I was like, it from the beginning, I was like, was the original plan like there's going to be a lawsuit because I'm not giving your money? Because I was like, that was well, no. I, I, I know that's not yeah. the original, but I'm just saying though. Either way, though, um, that was just setting yourself up for failure because why would you want all this attention on you in a very negative manner for then more investigations to happen? Um, yeah, he wasn't getting his fifty percent, and he wasn't happy about it. Yeah. So he, he ratted them all out, and now they're all going to go to jail. I find it funny though. Um, like the uh it's like they were able to scam lots and lots of people out of a lot of money but like they want to help the guy with his drug addiction yeah <laughs> i was like oh okay that's cute <laughs> well the, he probably doesn't actually have a drug addiction that's true it, it's very or true. even if he does I mean, I mean it was a situation where that was just the lie as to why they hadn't given him his money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like, yeah people will believe this it's fine he's yeah famous. and also like, the, the problem with that is even if he does have a drug addiction if you said hey i'm gonna give him all this money you don't get to decide you're not gonna give him the money I mean, you, you know, dude has a drug addiction. You should get help, but you don't get to per- be the person who decides. You know, I don't know you, and I raised all this money. But I'm not going to give it to you until I feel you deserve it. Because I, yeah, like that, that's that not <laughs> that's not how that how that works. Yeah, um, a lot's wrong with this situation. And just to talk about, like, they only knew each other for a month, and they were like, you know what? We're best friends. We're gonna we're gonna trust each other to the do this. The casino thing. changes people. <laughs> No, I think that's also very funny because I was like, what? I was like, how did this relationship come about? And like, how did trust go from like zero to 100 so quickly? (laughs) You've never met someone at the casino and decided you're going to run a giant hoax, maybe steal the Declaration of Independence or something along those lines. I can't say I have. (laughs) You need to go to the casino. I know. I'm not fun. That's why. (laughs) I don't live a fun life. That's why this is happening. (laughs) 
Maybe but, that that should be on your to-do list down in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't. I'm not even 21 yet. So, I guess you need to find a really, really good fake ID. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we don't condone fake. No, no I, I'm, jokes. <laughs> If you're under 21, it's illegal to drunk and get into a casino, and that's what we believe wholeheartedly. Well, <laughs> I have a real li- license. It's my real Ooh. birthday. <laughs> so there you go. I follow the rules here. Uh, Happy for you. <laughs> we're going to transition into one last story that's not as fun as that one, but it's what's going on in California right uh. now. Uh, essentially, more than 600 people are now confirmed to be missing in the wake of the wildfire, the campfire in Northern Carolina, where authorities have said about 631 people are missing, uh, which is a huge jump from Wednesday's count of 130, and it is expected to fluctuate. Now, they said the number of missing can just include people who escaped to safety and are not aware that they are being searched for. I know on the last show, we essentially talked about um, a lot of people were in shelters and well, not exactly, uh, the shelters were not exactly working directly with authorities. It was kind of just a whole chaotic chaotic mess. But another issue is that many of those missing are elderly, according to the list released by county officials, and a number of them are in their 80s and 90s. The death toll has also raised to at least 63 people so far in the file, making it the deadliest and most destructive file in California history, with nearly 10,000 homes have been destroyed with other structures as well. Right now, there's no known cause, but the blaze is currently 45% guaranteed. I think the saddest part in here really is that many of them are elderly because that that honestly doesn't give me hope. Um, a lot of elderly we find live by themselves and are not obviously to the best health. And it's a situation where people already kind of don't check on them. Like, I know I don't call my grandma as much as I should. Thankfully, my other family members do, but it's, it is a situation where people either don't have family members or don't have the people who correctly call for them. Mm-hmm. Did you say that um, the the fire is 45% contained? Yes. Okay. Um, which is still crazy to me because that's a little less than half. Um, so obviously there's still the fire still blazing and there's obviously, as you said, like the amount of people missing, the deaths could probably... The, the amount of homes that are destroyed can probably go up and most likely will, unfortunately. And um, I think it's just a very scary situation, especially because I think, um, I feel as if like like fires such as the one in California are kind of natural disasters that we're not entirely prepared for. You know, like it's, I, I don't know. I think obviously we hear about hurricanes and tornadoes and we all know how to kind of adapt to those, um, although they do cause destruction, but it's like a fire. That's, I don't know. I feel like that's something new, not new, but. Yeah, I know uh, they were essentially calling this fire very extraordinary in which it happened kind of around when forest fires unfortunately happened. But the change of winds were very unusual, which we're not going to get into climate change and how that could have affected it by right now. But and the winds definitely make it worse. It carries the fire over. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really like bizarre situation. Like you said, like we almost have like a disconnect. Uh, forest fires don't happen as much over mm-hmm. here than they do over on the West Coast. And it's just, it's a sad situation. I'll expect it. Like, we're hoping that false responders come out safe. Uh, we find more of the missing. And we, the death toll doesn't raise too much more. It's definitely sad on the friends and family who don't, uh, haven't found no loved ones just yet. Like, obviously, everybody's in the prayers. But 
and it's a situation that's not the best. I agree. I, I mean, there's, it's it's a it's a sad situation. It's an unfortunate situation. It, it's really unfortunate how many how many people are still missing. But it's you, you hope people get found in shelters and they're fine. Unfortunately, in these situations, it, it happens all too often that people are not fine. Um, Something's got to get done. I guess it's I just like a waiting game at this point. Yeah, unfortunately, like this was a situation. I, it's a somber story, but I wanted to bring it up because we are going on break and a lot of stuff happens over break. So it's more of a stay safe, everyone. Uh, enjoy your break, but at the same time, just kind of be ready for anything. Expect the unexpected. Stay safe. Enjoy your holiday. Any last words from everybody else? Mm, no, just. Have a great time and live your life and sleep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Rational Radio today. I'm Iris. Next to me is Dan. On the other side of him is my uh, selfless promo. Stay tuned because in a few minutes I will come back for our country. So have a good one. Thanks for listening. See you next time.